The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to October. Yeah, this year went flying by. (laughs) This year has zoomed by, and I'm not sorry to see most of it go, but preseason has started. I've actually watched entire real live hockey games. Um, they were people in the stands and, and, and the entire regular season is still in front of us. Yes. My, I, I have a small concern that those people in the stands are, are, uh, anyway, we don't want to get into the negativity. Nope, 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 nope. We're not, we're happy. They're, we're happy. Hockey is back. People are in the stands. I'm watching real skaters skate around on sheets of ice, scoring goals, making decent plays, waiting for the goaltending to catch up. (laughs) And that's the thing a lot of people don't get about the preseason. You can shoot all by yourself. You can skate all by yourself. Yep. You cannot stop pucks all by yourself. Well, and legitimately, while I doubt anyone has ever put it into exactly the words I'm going to use, mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that 65% of the job of an NHL or AHL or uh, goalie in training camp is don't get hurt. Especially if you're the perceived number one. I mean, there are some teams Even that if you're don't. you're the perceived number two. <laughs> Unfortunately, these days, or, or uh, unfortunately, it may not be the right word, but yeah, no, I agree because you never know when you're going to get that that opportunity. I mean, in you recent gotta, years, we've seen teams use five or five goalies. I don't ever recall that happening five, ten years ago. Wasn't or 10, wasn't it years ago. wasn't it Vegas's inaugural season four years ago that they used four different goaltenders? I think it was actually five that year. Uh, one of them only got two or three games, but it was it was ridiculous. Yeah, because they had uh, Dansk and Subban. Lagasse and Subban and Flurry, And I don't even remember the fifth one. Yeah, because they had to delve really deep into their minor league system to find goaltending. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it might have been five. I know I know of four, but it might have been five. <laughs> Uh, it was it was uh, it was a thing to watch and a little bit weird. It was Dansk, Flurry, Subban, Legacy, and Dylan Ferguson was the one with one. Ferguson, game. yes. A name I don't think that has seen the NHL since. No. No, I'm pretty sure that was his only time. Uh, he's admittedly that was 17, 18. He's still only 23 years old. Um, so there's some hope for him. But he's otherwise been bouncing he's around. With, he's still with the Vegas organization, even. Um, Henderson, Silver Knights, and Fort Wayne Comets last season. Um, you know who they belong to. Well, how, the Henderson Silver Knights. I suspect that's the uh, Vegas. Uh, oh wait, Silver Knights. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hello. Um, not enough. Not enough of the caffeinated beverage yet. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's not my problem. Problem. I didn't but, say it was. I'm just saying. 
We have, uh, since it's just about the beginning of the season, yeah, uh, yeah. we could have waited till next week, but we're going to get ahead. We're going to get in front of everyone else. Okay. Let's dive on into our predictions. Ah, the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Um, why don't we start with the league basement? Um, I, I mean, one of these is obvious. The second two, mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain we're going to have one team on there. We've talked about this team a good bit. The other two teams is I think we're, we were going to diverge. Okay. Uh, I'll just spit mine out while I'm still talking. Be my guest. Coyotes. If they somehow manage to, uh, you think they're going to finish last and the season at 29th or above, I'll be shocked. Okay. The Los Angeles Kings. Wow. Did I just see that one? I don't see them being useful. Um, and the Columbus blue jackets, they're in a tough division and they're not a good team. Plus they're going to have a first year coach this year. Uh, I think mine are obvious here then. <clears throat> yeah. Look at that. I have that Arizona club on my list. Yep. Um, there's just nothing I trust about that team. There are there's there's some talent there, but yep. hello goaltending. Hello anybody Offense. on defense. Hello anybody on defense besides I, I I can even forego the offense. You can win games two to one, one to nothing. I get it, but they don't have the defense outside of Chikrin. As far as I it, it, no, they 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 have a lot of nothing. Uh, I also have that uh, that group from uh, Ohio, Columbus, on my list. Yep. And 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 oddly enough, once again, it comes down to um, well, you dealt away. All of the defense that's worth anything except for Warensky, and I feel bad for him this year. Oh yeah, I mean I the highlight of his year is probably going to be playing in the Olympics uh, because it's the only time you'll have a chance to win two out of three games. I feel bad for Elvis Merzlikens, and and on, and that's on multiple levels because of what happened over the summer with uh, with Matisse Kiblenix, and I feel bad for the whole organization. That was a tough thing to go through. Uh, but where it ha- happened at Elvis's house and whatnot, and he's got nothing in front of him on the ice. And yeah, again, where's the goal scoring coming from? You can only ask so much of Jack Roslovic. And I'm sorry, but Line A, you just can't rely on him. And my third team, and I, I don't know if you didn't see this, so you think they're going to be better than they are. Uh, but an obvious choice. Uh, those guys up in upstate New York, Buffalo. Once again, probably I, I thought they were. I, I really don't see much difference between the bottom five teams and Buffalo. I think I've kicked them a good deal and I would just sort of skip them. I'm trying not to think about them, given how annoyed I am with that organization. <laughs> But if we're picking and you use the gray matter and you you look at it, they they just don't have. I mean, okay, you got Victor Olofsson, you've got Rasmus Dahlin, but you traded away Ristolainen. You don't have your captain. Uh, 
you traded away was it Middlestan? Don't worry. When they trade Jack Eichel, who will um, who will immediately recover for, with his uh, with the rehab, with just the rehab, no surgery needed. Um, I'm sure they'll get a return of like 19 first round picks, and um, they'll trade off any dead cap dead, dead cap space well, and you, get you, back you, like at least five yeah. six roster players. Well, you just made Kevin Adams' day, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 127%. And I really don't know how you can discount a team that has Colin Miller on it. Uh, the same way I discounted a team that has uh, Connolly on it. But yeah, that's, don't know that's how you can little, do it. But that's a little foreshadowing. Um, let's see. So uh, we, we, we almost agree on the basement. I was surprised with L.A. I don't know that they'll be down. I don't know that they'll be down in the bottom five. I think they'll be in the bottom five. I don't know if they'll make it to the bottom three. Um, President's Trophy, uh, who you got there? <laughs> um, I went back and forth on this one. Because there are a couple of obvious teams, and one that and the one that I picked is probably an obvious one anyway. But I don't know how you can deny what they've been able to do. They've had a couple of changes, but for the most part, um, I went with Vegas. Really? I just think that I just think that you've still got Robin Leonard in net. Yes, you've lost Mark Andre Fleury. I get it, but somewhere along the line, that was going to happen. Robin Leonard is – you and I both love him dearly. Um, they've still got they've still got the Misfits line, which amazingly enough has been together for the four years that they've been there. They're still producing. The one thing that is going to hurt them is that they don't have Luke Tuck, who's one of their fastest players and one of their biggest players. They might have got a little less physical because they lost Ryan Reeves, but they haven't had – huge changes defensively they've still got you still got Theodore you still got Petrangelo you still got mm-hmm. I mean who was the one that they, they're all excited about the fact that they picked up Nolan Patrick uh, and the what from what I've seen him play in preseason games he actually looks pretty good so I think that I, I I mean I could have gone a couple of different ways here I so I kind of flipped a coin on this one and I went with Vegas. I had I actually narrowed it down to three teams. Mm-hmm. The third team will surprise most people, um, and that third team was the floor was the Florida Panthers. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I know uh, I, I know, and I didn't end up going with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other team that I was leaning towards I just couldn't make myself um, I think that Tampa had Detroit. has just lost too many players to go out and say in the competitive Eastern uh, Conference that that was that, that was my reason be a dominant team league wide yeah that was my reason too I just I think there's been too much change there so I went with the Colorado Avalanche that was the other team that I was uh, the three that I was flipping around the Knights, the avalanche and Tampa Bay. So I'm with you on Colorado. 
I don't know, maybe maybe instead of busting their behinds to try and win the president's trophy, you let off the gas just a little bit. You still finish in first. You still get still get into the playoffs, but maybe you save yourself just a little. And plus, I think Darcy Kemper is going to be an upgrade in, in goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, before we get to the Rocket Richard, uh, our other prediction for the start of the season, let's take a look at the top, who we expect to be the top three teams in each division. Um, I did not number mine, um, partly because I think it's, well, I'm not quite that arrogant, um, and partly because there's way too many moving parts. Uh, so Pacific Division, uh-huh. I have Edmonton, Vegas, and Vancouver. Interesting. Yes. So let's make it a two out of three anyway, because I have <clears throat> Vegas, yep. and then I have Squishy, and then I have more Squishy. Um, oh, wait. That could be because the Pacific is, <gasps> wait for it, Squishy. <laughs> yeah, no, I that's I, it's I, it, a this one was, rag. As hard as it as hard as it was to figure out like the Metropolitan or the Atlantic and 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 even the Atlantic wasn't that difficult. But Pacific, because of their lack of good good hockey as far as what I've seen over the last couple of years. So yes, I have Vegas, I have Edmonton. Only because I think that they can score their way in. Yes. That that's really the reason they were the second team. I had more trouble putting Vancouver in than I did Edmonton, even though I don't think either is a great team. Your Vancouver is as much a surprise to me as my my choice is going to be to you, because you chose them to finish very low. I have Los Angeles. Yep, I I, I think and and that's and 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 that should be a, a good example of just how uh, fluid this division is that one of us could pick them to be in the bottom and one of us could actually pick them to be in the top three in their division. I mean, I don't know. I like Cal Peterson. I think they're going to ride him pretty hard in goal. Unless, unless they, unless is Jonathan quick even still there? I don't even, I think he is. Technically. Yes. Um, what I've seen of them, which is a little, I, I did see half of like one game and, and they look pretty good. I mean, they weren't playing all their starters and, and all their number one players, whatever you want to call them. Um, has this end next year on his contract, at which point he'll be 38 so by the end of his contract. He's more than likely going to – they're going to try a 1A, 1B situation there, or maybe they go with slightly more games for Peterson. Eh, I mean, they've got Garrett Sparks who – I mean, his resume includes Toronto, so it's not fair to him. <laughs> no. But, yeah, L.A., because I just – they seem to be the least I – I think Vancouver's got a lot of – I love their youth. I think that their youth and their balance of where that youth is gives me more hope for them than any of the California teams. We've discussed how 
Oh, the California teams are bad. Unimpressed I am with Seattle. Um, See, but I don't think they're going to finish bottom five. I just think that they're going to finish somewhere below middle. Seattle will finish somewhere between 14 and 22. (laughs) That's a good range. I can see that. That is my super bold uh, prediction of the year. Okay. Yeah. Um, Central Division, who you got? Uh, hmm. Gee, I wonder if this team's going to come up on both our lists. Uh, Colorado? <laughs> I still, although I'm not, I, I, I'm never a big fan, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Bennington, but I think St. Louis can still find their way in. And my third team, what? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, my third team, and I'm going purely based on what I saw last season because I haven't seen anything this year, but I think Minnesota can squeak in there. Mm-hmm. Although I'm still questioning their goaltending unless they go with Capo Kakinen, uh on a more frequent basis. Talbot did a lot of good for them last season, but I think they need to be more... Uh, Balanced, yeah, proactive, something like that. But they've got they've got good goal scoring depth with, uh, well, not great but good because you got Kaprizov, you got uh, Fiala who has suddenly found a way to score goals constantly. Um, they managed to shed Zach Parise. I'm not sure about the suitor thing. I mean, yeah. And we'll talk about Parise in our poll in a couple of minutes. Um, okay. But yeah, no, I think Minnesota squeaks in there. See, I actually Minnesota is the second team that I put in. Colorado was obviously the first. That was a gimme. Okay. Because um, I like a lot about this Minnesota team. You know, there's a lot a to like. There's a lot to like. You look at that team, and they, they, they did a lot of good last year. And if they can manage to keep Dean Evison around. I mean, when you come right down to it, I there's no superstars on this team unless you're maybe counting Kiro Kaprizov. I think he's there. Yeah, I think he's going to be their uh, big ticket draw. But the low end of this team is actually probably above league average. I mean, you've got Kyle Rowe and Matthew Boldy and Nick Bukestad who are going to be pushing for minutes um, against, you know, Frederick uh, Gaudreau and Ryan Hartman. Mm-hmm. But you've got Nico Storm, Jordan Greenway, Marcus Foligno, Victor Rask, Kevin Fiala, Joel Eriksenak, Mats Zuccarella, and Kirill Kaprizov in front of them. Yeah. That's a solid, solid team. There's there's no 50 goal scorers there, but you still have no, but you might have six or seven of those guys score north of 22 goals. Yeah, and sometimes and, and sometimes you don't need if you can balance out as you to use your word if you balance out that scoring, then you don't need a 50 goal scorer. It it I mean it don't get me wrong it's certainly helpful and it's it's oh, yeah. certainly gonna put butts in the seats and. But if you've got balanced scoring throughout the four lines, you've still got Dumba on defense. And Spurgeon. And Jared Spurgeon. 
uh, like I said, with Cochran and uh, the flashes he showed, I think that they got a little Cochran and crazy when he started winning. And, and I think that they used him too many games in a row and kind of wore him out a little bit. But I mean, they've got a they've got a good core team there. They've got like five defensemen who are absolutely worth having. You've got Kulikov, Goligoski, Dumba, Brodine, and Spurgeon. That's more talent than that's a, that's a better defense than you could put together with the best of the of California. So Minnesota was on your list. Who are the other two? Uh, Colorado and the Dallas Stars. Really? I think with Sagan healthy again, it rebalances that team. And with all of the with know. all of the things, all the experience gained by the younger players, not that there are many enough of them on that team because that team is getting hockey old. But I think that they have Again, I think they have enough balance and enough hunger left to make it into the playoffs. I'm not counting them for a deep run, um, but, you know, you look around at the team. You've got Sagan, Ben Pavelski, Radulov up front, um, Rupe Hintz, who I really, really like. I love Rupe Hintz, yes. Um, there's three or four more forwards I can, I certainly don't hate. And then you've got their defense, not quite as deep, I, I think, as Minnesota, but Miro Heiskanen, Essa Lindell, John Klingberg, um, you know, Ryan Suter may not have made the team happy up north, but he went from the new Minnesota team to the old Minnesota team and still managed to sign a three-year deal at age 36. Um, there's still gas left I in the tank. I still wonder about that. I mean, and he's still playing 26 minutes a night. He's not falling off a cliff. I think this was... A so lot of was, was he was he mailing it in in Minnesota? And if he was, yes, if he, he was, he was mailing it in, then shouldn't the um, higher ups in Dallas be questioning that? They should, but they're hoping that he's annoyed enough at being at being uh, told to take his ball and go home. OK, him and his bestie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think at least this season, there'll be a, enough spark, uh, to push him towards better efforts. Um, metropolitan division. Yes. This is where it started getting hard. Yes. Metro was quite, I had one bit. team I knew was going to make it. One team the- I thought should make it. Mm-hmm. And probably three, maybe even four teams worth discussing. Did you roll the 20-sided die to help you decide? <laughs> I, I actually rolled up a five-sided die with all of the uh, teams after Carolina. Um, okay. And, yeah, came up with two names. So Carolina would be the first team. Washington would be the second. Mm-hmm. And the New York Islanders would be the third. Wow. I went with the best coach. <laughs> and therein lies my argument, because I went with, in that exact order, Carolina, Washington, and the Islanders. I'm now, done with... Don't get me I'm, wrong. <laughs> I absolutely think that on the ice, 
Philadelphia Flyers the most improved team this year. Well, they do have that. They do have that wrist aligning guy on defense, and and that Ellis guy on defense, and that and, Ellis guy, and they didn't. Uh, they have they Cam didn't Newton, do, or not Cam Newton? Wow, Cam Atkinson up front. Yeah, they, uh, and they I, didn't do anything in net, and hopefully, Mister Hart has a bounce back season. But they lost yes. Ryan Elliott. Um, I think that. <sighs> It will not surprise me if this team gets into the playoffs. And, but I still like. I, I mean, when you look at their defense, Provorov, Ellis, Ristolainen, Sanheim, Braun, Yandel. That's right. They brought in Yandel. I forgot about him. Um, and then Sam Morin. Uh, Sam yeah. Morin. You've got yeah, seven man. defensemen that are, quite frankly, you can make an argument that the low point in their top six is the best in the division. It was easier to rule out teams. It was like, okay, New Jersey, no. Yeah. New York, Rangers, no. <laughs> I thought, see, I still think the Rangers, the Rangers were one of those teams that I had trouble ruling out. I, I had as much trouble ruling them out as I did Pittsburgh. No, Pittsburgh, I was able to rule out. I just don't think it's, Although every time I rule them out, they sneak in, but I just they sneak in and they hit the second round. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know. I, I they're not doing enough. Well, they're they're hamstrung by their cap and their owner's desire to keep all three to keep three guys <laughs> until they either die on the ice or retire. Agreed. I mean. I, I said this seven or eight years ago. I would have traded Crosby, Crosby and gotten a mega return when he was 29 or 28 and still had six or seven good hockey years left in him rather than let him wither on the ice. And I mean, one of the few things that gives me hope for this team this year is that Evgeny Malkin is a UFA at the end of the year. I don't expect him to trade him, but he's a UFA. Brian Rust is a UFA. Jeff Carter's a UFA. Zach Aston Reese, and uh, then you've got uh, two more forwards. Chris Letang is a UFA. Chad Ruiel is a UFA. Um, those guys are going to be playing for contracts, as is Casey DeSmith. Woo. Um, I mean, we've talked about we've talked about it quite a bit. I mean, this is that, that's exactly why Rutherford said, you know what? See ya. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but don't worry. They have Brian Boyle, age 36, and Matt Bartkowski on professional tryout agreements. Well, you got to do something to excite the fans. It, and nothing says excitement like a 36 year old Brian Boyle. Admittedly, he steps in and becomes the – if he makes the team, he steps in and becomes the second or third best defender on the roster. But there's a a reason the guy hasn't played hockey in a couple of years. Um, His last season was the 1920 season where he played a full 39 games for uh, Florida. Yes. When was the last time Matt Bartkowski played? Was that with Minnesota or was that with Vancouver? 
I want to say he was with Vancouver last, uh, but <clears throat> and he is of course a Pittsburgh native. No, he played. <clears throat> oh, he played actually since Vancouver. He actually played for the Flames and then went to the Wild. Ah, uh, yes, he played one game for the Wild last year. Or where he's yes, where he spent more time in the AHL than the NHL. His AHL numbers were definitely not terrible. I mean, eight points in 23 games, and that's 23 of the 25 played in the AHL last year. He can probably still contribute. Um, I'm not sure. Well, other than him being a Pittsburgh native, <clears throat> I'm not sure why he went there. I think there are other teams he probably could have broken on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle. <laughs> Um, and if then, he goes okay, to Seattle, are, does he suddenly become top pairing defenseman? <laughs> maybe. Who are your metropolitan teams again? Metropolitan. I don't know. Just look at your list because it's the same. Carolina, Washington, and the Islanders. And again, it, it came down to the Islanders was coaching. Yep. Washington was and, – and again, you almost have to go coaching there. Too. I mean, LaViolette, not that he's been – to the Stanley Cup final recently, but the man has that team. the man has playoff experience. He actually can make in-game adjustments, unlike you know certain other Philadelphia coaches. The other thing um, for me with them, I think that team is embarrassed by the way that last season went, because I think they looked exhausted by the trade deadline and downright useless after it. But that's my humble opinion. No, it's 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 a good argument. I just I think that we're gonna see uh, you're gonna see an Ovechkin that's playing for. I mean, he's playing for the team. He he's he's he is a team player. He's not just all about his stats, but he's obviously playing for. He's obviously making a run at at ninety nine. Yeah, he's got the guy. Still big, still physical, still has a wicked shot uh, you've got you've Olympics. still got uh, Olympics are coming up. Yeah. at peak when he hits the Olympics um and yeah there's a lot of factors going on and it's it's going to be a fun season I mean we're still not having an all-star game which annoys me but whatever not for the game itself but more for the skills competitions um Atlantic division hit me Atlantic Division. Again, not not the easiest of divisions to pick no, from, but I hardest. think you think this was hardest. Yeah. I yeah, I could I can see the argument there. I mean, part of it is obviously trying not to be biased, but also mm. looking at the looking at the teams and saying okay, there were three teams you could automatically discount. Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa. Yes. And none of those three are in my top three. However, I don't know, it's it down almost to three out of four for the other five or three out of five for the rest. That was more difficult. And unfortunately, I think my list is more uh, past versus present. Tampa Bay is there. Yep. And I think that that has to come down to the fact that you still have the number one goaltender or arguably number one goaltender in the league. Yep. Um, 
I know you talk, you mentioned biased, but I still think that they can get there. I don't necessarily think they're going to win it all, or or but Boston. Yep. And I wanted to put Detroit in just to either get a chuckle out of you or or a gasp or something, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I'm not sold on Florida. I'm not really sold on the team that I picked either, but I went with Toronto. I think I think it was more out of it'll be fun to watch the Bruins yet eliminate them again. But they're still they've still got you. You've still got Mitch Marner up there. Uh, the problem is that they're not doing anything on the back end. They mm-hmm. keep worrying about scoring goals. They remind me of the Brazilian soccer team. They'd rather win games six to five than two to one. And when you try to win game six to five, the possibility that you run into a decent goaltender or a tougher defense than what you have, you're going to win those games five to four, five to two. Because or you're going to lose those games. Five lose to those one. games, excuse me. Yeah. Because you don't have the back end, you don't have the goaltending to make it happen. But unfortunately, yeah, based on the teams you can eliminate and based on those that are there. And I can almost, I can almost tell that you're itching to tell me who your third team is. So who uh, are you? Right. Third? I do have, I do have uh, Tampa and Boston, not necessarily shocking. Although having watched a couple of preseason games, I'm less and less convinced on the goaltending, um, which made it harder not to put, Toronto or even Montreal in. Uh, but the third team was really easy, was actually fairly easy for me. Mm-hmm. I think that based on what we saw last season in the regular season and, you know, the fact that some of the that one of the guys who was key to them getting as high in the standings as they did is going to be healthy again. Um, and Aaron Eckblad that putting the Florida Panthers in was was pretty easy. And to be quite honest, I, I went back and forth with Toronto and Florida a lot. We may well see those those be the four teams, our two overlaps and then the two differences. But I also looked at the fact that they added Sam Reinhart to the team. Yeah, um, Sam Reinhart. The best player in Buffalo. Um, Last year they added Anthony DeClaire, who we both – Along with Robin Leonard, I think that if we formed a team of the players that we really, really, really like, I think we'd have a pretty decent team. <laughs> but their defense, their defense. We do that during the dog days of the season. Sometime like around the middle of January. Okay. Cap compliant. Of course. Uh, 13 forwards, seven defensemen. Two goaltenders. My concern is whether Florida is going to play 62, 65 games out of Sergei Bobrovsky or whether they're going to try and give Spencer Knight more time in the crease. Because Spencer Knight is one of the best young goalies in the league based on what we saw last season. Yeah, I I absolutely believe that they're going to give 35 or so games to 
maybe 30 games to Spencer Knight uh, is probably the penciled in plan as of right now. And I think that when the, when we hit mid season or, you know, if Bob shows that he's just done that they're going to lean on the kid even more heavily. Uh, I mean, he played 31 of the 56 games last year and had a 906 uh, save percentage and the less set of his playoff numbers, the better. Um, Sergey has five years. Well, including this season, he has five years left on his deal. Yep. At 10 million. It's a terrible deal. It's a terrible deal. Or as of his current performance, it's a terrible deal. But okay, take keep keep that in mind. Just throw if he if he suddenly goes back to his Vesna winning performance and starts putting up a nine thirty one or even a nine twenty one again. Uh, I mean, he had that nine twenty one where he dragged Columbus into uh, the playoffs in seventeen eighteen. Yes. Um. He he may have dragged them, but then his numbers in the playoffs were less good. Yes, that's a nice way of putting it. I mean, he's only had one useful playoff performance, and that was the eighteen nineteen season where he was eh, nine thirteen in the regular season, but then threw up a nine twenty five in the postseason uh, and managed to get them out of the second round or into the second round. Um. I think maybe I think he's may he might just be one of those guys who like Boston's former goaltender. You know, sixty is a number you really don't want to cross unless you have to for the regular season. And that's why I'm questioning that's why I was questioning how much time they're gonna give Spencer. Now, if Spencer comes out, has a few good games, they is it too soon to think <clears throat> Kevin Adams gets on the phone with um, Florida or Florida gets on the phone with Kevin Adams and says, Hey, we'll send you Bobrovsky for Eichel straight up. <laughs> yes. It's just swapping contracts. And <laughs> well, one of those, one of the issues there is, uh, Bob does have that no movement. Yes. And what's, and Eichel's kicks in next year. That's why they're trying to move him. But obviously they're not trying hard enough because their demands are reportedly uh, astronomical. Well, their demands and quite frankly, their doctors have been already proven wrong, given that the doctors seem to think that just resting would get him get his discs back to uh, back to healthy in no in a couple of weeks. Yes. And having gone through what I've gone through recently, I can certainly concur. We're what nine months into his just rest, and magically yeah. his discs have not healed. Yeah, um, that's, and we'll that's talk more about that whole disaster in two or three minutes. But uh, um, we have two things to cover first. Rocket Richard, uh, mm-hmm. Rocket Richard, who you got taking it home this year? Oh, I. Okay, so I wrote down two names only because one is the one I. All right, I'm going to read it and you can make fun of me all you want. Um, 
Did you pick Austin Matthews? I did not. As far as I know, he's actually not starting the season, is he? Wasn't he? Didn't he have surgery or something? Or is he? I actually thought about him because he's just in the top five perennially or top ten. I wrote down one name, and then I realized how biased it would be because I wrote down David Pasternak. And? And then I wrote down another name, and I don't think that either one of them is going to win it. Kirill Kaprizov. That's an interesting name. The more I thought about it, his performance last season, give him an 82-game slate another year in the league. He's got... He, he's got offensive abilities. I, I mean, I rule. I thought about the McKinnons. I thought about, but if you go back and research McKinnon, he's not going to be a Rashard Trophy winner because he's he's a distributor. As much as he scores many goals, he's more of a distributor. He still has more assists than goal. I mean, he's just uber fun to watch. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I didn't. I'm not so sure that our friend down in Washington is going to win it, and nor does nor do I think he has to in order to catch 99. I just You're I, right. I, I like the, those accounts. I like the youth. I, I like I I I liked watching Kirill Kaprizov when he's just around the net. He he has a nose for it, and I think that he's got a good shot at winning it. But I, don't, I don't hate that pick at all, but I think you're wrong. Because you're going to pick Patrick Kane. Um. Yes, <laughs> no, maybe, but definitely no. Okay. I went a little bit north and then Fair a little enough. bit west. And west. You picked a Seattle Kraken guy. Are you reading my notes? <laughs> Are you reading my notes? Because right here, next to the road rocket, I clearly have Leon Dreisaitl. Except that he doesn't play for Seattle, but okay. <laughs> and I actually considered him. Because I did say a little bit west, not a lot west. Um, I honestly thought you were going to say Yanni Gord. <laughs> uh, he was third on my list. Right behind Brandon Carwell. Wow, you jumped over the Hall of Famer and went straight to Carlo? Absolutely. Nice. He did score a goal the other night. Yes, and that, more than anything, is one of the reasons that the Flyers were not in my top (laughs) I love Brandon Carlo's game. Goal scoring is not part of it. <laughs> when he scores goals that look that good, um, thank you for putting in the effort, Brandon, but it says more about the goalie. Yeah, probably. I, I like the dry sidle pick. I actually considered him quite a bit. I I don't know why I didn't write his name down. I mean, he's he's a dynamic player. I think that he, and and this goes back to our lovely art uh, discussions about Pittsburgh, but I think he is more important to Edmonton than even Connor. Um, that's 
think that he I think that his game is more well rounded. He does yeah. more on the ice. I don't I don't see that out of Connor. Connor's got speed. Connor can he can put the puck in the net and and I don't know why it seems that that other skaters are afraid of him, but when he's cutting through three defensemen, okay, yeah, part of it's skill, but part of it is like they're afraid to hit him and knock him on the on his keister. I don't get it. But Dreisaitl's game is just more round. I think it's a more 200-foot game. I think that he's he's sort of like a McKinnon, though, to me. he's he Because he plays, and sometimes or most of the time with Connor, he gets a lot of assists. And he scores goals. But he doesn't, to me, it's like he doesn't need Connor to get his points. Yeah, no, he's utterly independent of Connor McDavid, which is a great thing to have when you're when you're playing them, uh, you know, separately, both at even at even strength. Um, it means you actually have two lines of terror up there. And let's uh, jump from the predictions to uh, the predictable and vile. Oh yeah, okay. I'm I'm refocusing my my chi or whatever they call it. Andre Deniskin, a person that most of the planet had never heard of uh, a week and a half ago, um, suspended by his Ukrainian team for a racist gesture. Um, to and I am going to butcher that last name. I do not do well with. Uh, uh, Smeric, uh, I believe it is. I Shane. do not do well with the. It looks like it looks like Smer- it looks like Smeric or Schmeric, uh, but yeah, I I I'm... I am not at my best with uh, what are probably um, Slavic middle name or last names. But Jalen Smeric, uh, like myself, Black American, playing uh, for the Ukrainian. Uh, Hockey League, Donbass, Donest, Dante, playing for Donbass. There you go. Um, three games so far this season, one goal, three assists, four points, and uh, four pims. Um, undrafted, but played last year for uh, the Tuscan uh, Roadrunners, as he did the two seasons previous. Um, actually, three or four seasons previous. Um, Chicago, I'm sorry, Detroit area guy, um, who is just now 24 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, I going to say how dedicated a player do you have to be that you're willing to go from Detroit, Michigan to somewhere in the Ukraine to play hockey? Yeah. Hockey player, hockey players are truly a, an eccentric bunch and dedicated. The league suspended Deniskin for 13 games, maximum allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the ridiculous drama begins. Why? Um, well, one, he can pay the equivalent of $1,800 and change to not serve the 10-game uh or ten of those games of his suspension. Yeah, he was given he was given an automatic three game ban for the match penalty. 
but the other 10 were at were tacked on because of his behavior mm-hmm. but he can pay $1,870 to get out of those 10 games but it says here that's not the case which is a good thing because that would have really sent me over I, it this continue because I'm trying to so one of the general managers in the league who um, was outspoken enough, outspoken at not quite Burke levels, um, Eugene Kolyachev, uh, was fired from his position um, as a general manager in the UHL for being outspoken. He's taken to Twitter, and you can find him at uh, you can find him on Twitter pretty easily. Um, I'm personally hoping he gets a a good job uh, somewhere in the NHL soon, or maybe uh, someplace in Europe if he prefers. But how how do you think most of the fans in North America would react? to a GM being fired for criticizing a player for this sort of racist behavior. How do I think fans in America would react? I would hope that. Would you want to be the owner of the team that fired a coach for that? I I don't understand. I would hope that the, I would, my hope is that the fans would boycott said team. Uh, You fire, you fire the guy for coming out. For speaking out against the behavior of this player and the fact that there's no a room you've for suspended. this, he comes out, speaks out, uh, he, he speaks out again. He's he's supporting. He's supporting the league position, and he still gets fired. What does that say about the ownership of that team? Um. They're bought and paid for. I. It's 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 clearly there's no there's no belief in the fact that there's no room for racism in any sport, let alone just hockey. And the fact that the UHL is accepting of this behavior, and the fact that they're willing to terminate a GM because he spoke out against that behavior. It, it, it's just, it, why would you want to stay there? Why would you want to play there? Why would you want to go there? And that's one of the things with with Smerik is that he has taken a leave of absence from his team until he can figure out what to do because he doesn't want to be there until they remove Deniskin from the league. But yet the league is I don't see them removing him because they're they're willing to fire a GM who speaks out against the behavior. So it is the league actually promoting this behavior is the league actually condoning it. Whether they come out and say they aren't. I would have to believe so. That tells me that the the owners, the the front office league personnel are all themselves racist 
which is absolutely horrifying that it would be a, that that sort of behavior can be top down and that would infiltrate the league that way. I, I mean, it leaves me scratching my head. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm utterly disgusted with uh, Deniskin. The UHL team that fired uh, their general manager over this is utterly ridiculous. And the fact that the IIHF has has done nothing. Oh, no, they they made a statement. The IIHF condemns in the strongest possible terms the actions of Andre Deniskin. So that's sort of like the opposite of thoughts and prayers. Like. Condemns in the strongest possible terms. But what have you done? There is no there is no place for such a blatantly racist and unsportsmanlike gesture in our sport and in society. This is a direct assault on the ideals and values of our game, and we will ensure that all necessary ethics violation investigations occur to ensure that this behavior is sanctioned appropriately. But you haven't done anything. If there's actually going to be an investigation, and it's entirely possible that they did not have anyone on the ground ready to do an investigation, whatever whatever is actually needed, um, it might be in interviewing Deniskin in person um, or interviewing, you know, his coaches or whatever. I don't know, but this, this happened on the 30th. It is now the third. Um, The Ukraine is five or six hours ahead of us. I have seen no updates on the story. So this is just going to die. Um, And, and that therein lies the biggest problem of all. And I'm of two minds about what Jalen has decided for himself. Um, I'm slightly more belligerent than most people. I don't know how to back up. Um, I don't know how to back down. Never learned. Have no intention of learning. And for all that, there are still problems in the world. Racism among them at least in the U.S., it is not as blatant most of the time as now as it was, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, I've been, I've had people of uh, equal character uh, and less reserve than Mr. Deniskin uh, in my personal space. And... I'm simply not the type to ever give them a victory. Um, so you don't. Uh, Jalen Smerrick needs to do what's best for him, but I wouldn't have left the league. I wouldn't have said yes, I'm not coming back because, quite frankly, that says to Deniskin and the people who think like him, you know, the people who fired Eugene Kolyachev, um, that if they just make enough noise, there won't be anyone to be racist against. I can see that argument. And um, the reason why I take the reason why I think the other take the other side or the reason why I, I understand the other side is more of an assumption than than knowing. But I'm hoping that 
his argument for leaving the league is uh, I, I can assume that he's doing it because he's trying to force their hand. And unfortunately, with the league's stance and what they have or have not done, the way they have or have or have not acted tells me that they're not going to budge anyway. But I'm hoping that this is more of a he needed to take a step back so that he doesn't do something that yes. he's going to regret. I I can understand that, and I don't That's necessarily disagree with it. Uh, as I said, he needs to do what's right for him. I'm not right. him. I know that my temper is bad enough that I absolutely would have gotten into a fight in the next game that I played against him. And someone would have gone away bloody. Um, I don't understand how this guy, how Deniskin got away not bloodied. Um, that said, mm-hmm. you know, people, the world is a different place than it was when the 15, 20 years ago. And I don't know that. I don't know that my more confrontational manner, um, at least crossing the line into physicality, would actually improve the situation. I would feel better. Yes. Um, and I can I be 100 percent assured uh, that the person who I bloodied my knuckles upon would uh, think twice about annoying me again. But hopefully, uh, well, might be eating through a straw for a while, too. I don't know. Just saying. But I uh, <clears throat> I'm not I'm not Jalen Smerrick. I wish him absolutely the best. Maybe he comes back and gets a contract here in North America. Um, the only thing I will say, and this is not a defense of the UHL, is that maybe and because I have certainly not read anything in I certainly have not read their CBA or whatever is the equivalent of it. The league may not have the ability to simply summarily dismiss someone. Um, I've talked to people who do who work staffing in Europe and the these the laws there to protect workers are very different than what you see in North America. I mean, it takes months and months and months to fire someone in the UK. Um, even in France, it's a couple of months to get rid of someone. Um, it may it may not actually be possible to summarily remove a player, which still doesn't excuse um, Eugene Kolyachev's firing for speaking out in the same direction that the league actually moved. That's absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, Wayne Simmons weighed in on the issue himself. Um, you can find his tweet. Um, it's it's pretty blunt. Um, Luke Fox, um, who is uh, an NHL writer for Sportnet, uh, quotes... Uh, Quotes Wayne Simmons, um, and I'm going to only read part of it. Uh, I can see why parents are completely afraid to to put their kids into the sport. I'm the same way as well. I faced a lot of these things, and I don't even know if I'd want my kids playing hockey, to be quite honest. 
Um, I will retweet that again, um, and we'll uh, I'll actually tweet it in reply to the show tweet. Um, you all know how to find me at uh, at Puck Sage. And I'm, I'm sorry when when we're we're losing. We're, we're, when players are afraid or in some way questioning whether they should allow their kids to play the game that they play because they love it. Now we've got, I mean, we've got a serious problem anyway, but that's amplified, magnified. This is just so wrong. Yeah, and this is this isn't new. I mean, it was not very long ago that Anson Carter on on the NHL Network basically said that the reason he didn't get to go to an All Star game a couple of years, um, even though he had better stats than someone who went, was that you know that guy had a family and he needed uh, he needed the extra money um, or some horse droppings like that. Um, I'm not, I don't want to talk about this anymore because quite frankly, I'm amazed we haven't had to bleep out a three minute section of the show. Um, but let's just say that the Andre Deniskins of the world are not in my top six billion favorite people. Not my top nine billion favorite people. Thank you very much. Um, and I do believe there's only seven or so billion, maybe eight billion on the planet. So that would be correct. Uh, so let's get uh, to some better stuff first. Yes. Um, Kirsten Welsh is a name that some of you will probably get to know pretty well this year. Um, and everyone who watches hockey will probably hear of at least once. Um, she is the very first lines, uh, woman to, or to work, uh, in the OHL. Uh, she started, uh, this season and it will be interesting to see where she goes from here. Uh, congratulations, Kirsten and good luck. I, I think this is, I think this is brilliant. I, I, Given, abs- go ahead. Is, no, I was just gonna say this is absolutely brilliant. I, I, I don't. I, and again, I go back to why the hell is it taking so long? I, I think realistically, I think twenty years ago, it would not have been useful to have female linesmen. The number of women who like hockey is smaller than the number who like men. Where the split is, I'm not going to say. The number of women who were willing to become linesmen is higher now than it was 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, the game was much more physical. There were a lot more fights. And having them break up fights at on a regular basis at that point would have been highly unsafe. Because I've seen a lot of women who play hockey. For the most part, they're not large women and they're certainly not large men. (laughs) Um, and with a whole lot less fighting and the teams 
doing more to slow their own players down uh, than than what happened in the past. I think now is absolutely the time, you know, to inject more women into uh, the line, into playing, into doing the linesman's job and the referee's job uh, in in hockey, regardless of what gender uh, is playing the game. I mean, I I love her comments. Quote here, this is an incredible opportunity, and I can't really put into words what it feels like to be working in the Ontario Hockey League. Just being one of the first women to do this, it really opens that door to women in hockey who want to have an alternate avenue that maybe isn't playing in the Premier Hockey Federation or playing on a national team. Being an advocate and having this opportunity, I just feel so lucky. It's an incredible process to be part of. I'm so lucky I can be part of something that is going to affect generations of little girls. This is this is just another avenue of, of bringing in young fans to the game. Absolutely. Hockey growth is only going to occur or and continue to occur when it's embraced by people who love hockey, not who want a particular experience. Um, oh, by the so. way, she's not Canadian. She's American. I had she, I had not read that deeply. She resides in Freedom, Pennsylvania. She graduated as captain of the Robert Morris University Women's NCAA Hockey Program, where she patrolled the blue line from 2015 to 2019. And then she went on. She was actually an official in the NCAA uh, Division Three. She was named CHA Defender of the Year. I, I mean, this is not just this is not just an appointment to get a photo op. This is somebody no. who knows the game, enjoys the game, played the game, loves the game. Oh, this is someone who legitimately has the chops to do the job and do it well. Um, Congratulations I, to Kristen. This is brilliant. In my opinion, in my opinion, no, I was just going to say, in my opinion, definitely about time. Uh, we talked a little bit about Robin Leonard earlier in the show, and we talked a little bit uh, about the situation in Buffalo, and. Robin Leonard, who has become one of my favorite players in the league, both for on ice and off ice stuff uh, in the past six or seven years, um, tweeted on the on October 2nd. uh, So yesterday, um, Sabres fans, we didn't love each other much, uh, was warranted against me. Some were not did my best, but I respect your passion for the franchise. The situation with your captain, who was mine, should be as big of a problem for you as for me. I know your hearts are in the right place and the 100 uh, emoji. Um, Well, first of all, Robin Leonard has never been shy about speaking his mind. Nope, not even once. 
I'm pretty sure he's the one who was told everybody in the locker room exactly how things were going and how he felt things were going because somebody had to speak up and he was the one who spoke up. Uh, He's the one who stood up on stage in front of everybody at an awards show and basically announced that he has a mental illness. This is a guy who's not shy and this doesn't surprise me at all. He's also very protective of his teammates. Uh, And in this situation, uh, he's coming out for his teammate. And in the process, I think he might be taking a shot at the organization. Maybe just a teeny tiny one. Uh, I don't think he likes Buffalo. I don't. (laughs) Or the organization. Ownership. Or leadership. Ownership. Probably ownership, yeah. Um, and quite frankly, uh, I, I'm i just baffled that the whole Eichel drama is still running. It's been nine or so months since we first heard that Eichel's neck injury um, was going to keep him out. Was it back in March or February? I don't remember. I know it was after the beginning of the year, but... Okay, it might not have been nine months, but it's been at least six. It's close enough, yeah. Um, The team doctors said, oh, just rest. You'll be fine. Hello? I I haven't seen him in any of their preseason games. Have you seen him in their preseason games? Have I seen any of their preseason games? No. Yeah, have you seen Jack Eichel suited up to play in the uh, preseason of Buffalo? No, no. Uh, um, the fact that he, you know, failed his physical and and they stripped him of his captaincy. So yeah, I I haven't seen him on the ice. Stripped him of his captaincy and said that he hadn't been part of the team for a long time. Way to go, Kevin Adams. Way to go. Um, I don't get how how you run your business like this. I know that there are businesses who do because quite frankly, Buffalo is doing it. The, the Pagoulers are doing it, but what makes them think this is a good idea? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to think about it too much because it's quite frankly, disgusting. Uh, and there's really no point in going into it. Um, we've talked about how we've talked about this for months. Buffalo's doctors were wrong, flat out wrong about the rehab. Yes. The surgery that Eichel wants is, has not been done on a hockey player before, but guess what? Most of the people who have had the surgery that the team is recommending, you know, the doctors who are wrong in the first place, um, can't turn their necks very well um, after the surgery. Don't you, particularly as a center and not a huge guy, kind of need to look around you as a hockey player if you're going to be, I don't know, effective and safe on the ice? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
This Men's is, Division yeah. One ice hockey. Yeah. Rankings came out, and um, there's a whole lot of M State on here. Okay. Starting with number one. Okay. Matt, uh, UMass Amherst, number one, <laughs> nine hundred nine uh, points, uh, voting points. Would that be, would that be an M state? That's an M state. Got it. Okay. Um, number three is Michigan. That is definitely an M state. I'm trying. I'm still trying to figure out how Michigan is third. Um, because Saint Cloud they- State. Which is in Minnesota. Oh, that's an M state. Is second, <laughs> and they got more votes than Michigan. Oh, okay. And then Minnesota came in fourth. Wait for it. Yes, that's an M state. I know. Followed immediately by Minnesota yeah. State and uh-huh. Minnesota Duluth. So the top six schools are all in M states. Uh, but, but wait, there's more. Hey, Boston I love that College. line. <laughs> Boston College is number seven. And uh, yes, it's Boston, Massachusetts and not Boston, Texas. Um, so seven. M seven in a row. In a row. Um, I think we can safely say that North Dakota is not actually in an M state, but it does border at least one M state. Okay. Um. So top seven are all M states. Then we hit North Dakota. Then we hit Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. They are in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they also border an M state. They do. They do. Um. Then, then we hit another. Then we hit the. Hit number ten, Boston University, which again is Boston, Massachusetts, and not Boston, some <laughs> other place. So eight, eight, out eight of ten. Eight out of ten. So how many? So when we've had these discussions before, and we said if you want to, if you if you really want to get serious, you really th- you really think you have a shot at the NHL. You want to get seen. You want to get you want to get yourself out there. You go to either the Northeast M State, or you go to that sort of northern central, which is Minnesota, Michigan. Yeah. Also M states, and oh wait. Those schools are eight of the top ten schools preseason hockey rankings. Yeah, and UMass Amherst. I, I mean, UMass Lowell is on the list. Um, wait, wait. Harvard no, wait is on the list. They are not on the list. They're not in the top twenty. I thought well, they were. Never mind. Well, Mass- Massachusetts, the number one. That is Amherst. Yes, but I thought Lowell was on here. Um, and yeah, Harvard's in here too, even though they sort of only barely count. Oh, okay. They only barely count. Oh, wait a minute. Last one. AIC. Uh, yeah. That's American International College. American International, yeah. That's uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, if memory serves. Okay. Yes. So, wait. yeah. Others receiving votes Northeastern, 100. UMass Lowell, Michigan Tech, Western Michigan. Lake Superior State, which is in Lake Superior, Lake Superior State. Uh, I believe that's a Michigan. Uh huh. Oh, and then we go to Bowling Green, Penn State, Arizona State. So just outside the top twenty are three more M state. Yeah, this is. 
Oh wait, then there's Northern Michigan down here. Yes. They received five votes. This is yeah, this is a clearly a domination by the M states. <laughs> Legitimately, over half of the top ten, or half of the top twenty are M states, and most of those are Massachusetts. Uh, it, it, it's going to make watching college hockey entertaining. Like the the two of us joke about, uh, you know, hockey East being, you know, pre NHL. It's not that big a joke. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually never thought it was a joke. I, <laughs> I, I mean, you can make a very soft, you can make a soft case for the ranking of hockey leagues being, the NHL, the AHL, the Swedish Hockey League, the KHL, and then Hockey East. I mean, it, it, the thing is that you got many, and and most of them are Big Ten up there, a Big Ten yes. conference. So you got in Michigan. I mean, there's the there's the argument right there, and it was made for us in the this past draft when you had three of the top four spots, three of the top five spots going to University of Michigan, either players or commits. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, three of the top four. And then you had the fifth one went down at pick like number 24 or 22 or something. Yeah. It's, it's that alone should say, and then you look at guys in the league, you look at, okay, Cam LaCar, Massachusetts, you look at, Oh wait, that that guy who won the Norris Trophy, the, the, that young kid Adam Fox. Yep. Harvard. Uh, you, you start looking at goaltenders. We talked about Spencer Knight, Boston College, Jake Ottinger, Robert and it, it just goes on and on and on. Even if you go to Jeremy Swayman, played in UMaine, uh, hockey. Hockey's, M State. <laughs> I mean, seriously, dude. If you think that Mike and I are, are somehow just making this one up. Uh, no, no, there's evidence no. and lots <laughs> of it. Um, just a couple of the hockey East uh, and even, you know, uh, he's not, he's not my favorite player, but you know, you've got Grizzly and the hall of famer, uh, both out of Boston, Boston schools, Boston university, Brady Kachuk. Okay. Since 2000, Two, and we're not going to go back further because we because of time. Mm-hmm. Um, viable NHL players that most people should have heard of: Ryan Whitney out of BU, um, Colin Wilson out of BU, Matthew Nieto out of BU, Adam Glendening out of BU, AJ Greer, Jack Eichel, Charlie McAvoy, Jake Ottinger, and some guy named Brady Kachuk. Yeah. I mean, and if you want to really out of Boston keep, college, <laughs> I was going to say, if you want to keep going down the, down the Noah road, Hanneman, Thatcher Denko, mm-hmm. Ben Smith. Um, those are recent guys, but Patrick Eves came out of there. Chuck Kobasu came out of there. Um, Brian Gianta came out of there. Brooks Orpik came out of there. Uh, Marty Reasoner came out of there. Uh, Craig Janney came out of there. Yeah. You forgot one. Which one? Some some kid named Johnny Hockey. Oh yeah, Mr. Goodrow. He came out of Boston College as well. 
And Jonathan Quick came out of uh, Amherst as well, and he was Jonathan Quick. I thought he was a little. He and he and um, Hellebuck. No, um, you could be right. I have. He and Hell. Yeah, Johnny Quick is from Connecticut. Went to UMass, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Went to UMass Lowell. He must have been someplace else when he was drafted because he. He's not listed as a UMass draft pick by Hockey DB. Oh, okay. I'll have to go back and look. But yeah, Hockey East um, is kind of a thing. It's everywhere. Actually, Craig McTavish, way back in 1978, uh, was drafted out of um, out what's, of UMass Lowell. What's his claim to fame? Uh, one thousand or and ninety three NHL games might have done something useful while he was playing. Yeah. Um, but his his claim to fame is he was the last player in the NHL to be grandfathered in and not wear a helmet. Is that there is that he's also been head coach of the Edmonton Oilers um, and Yaroslav Lokomotiv. Yeah, the, the, yeah, we're not basically we're not making this up, people. This is there, there are hard facts there, and and it's not. And again, it's not just hockey East because yeah, you have ECAC, you have Harvard, you have Northeastern, and you start looking around the league at the Northeastern guys, and you start looking around the league at at, at the Harvard players going back to oh wait, your favorite GM and mine, Berkey. No. Oh, the Sweet. other favorites. Yeah. Donnie. Harvard. I, it, yeah. It's. Yeah, there, there it, there's plenty of evidence if you if you don't want to believe that these states, these particular states, just happen to be a pipeline to the NHL. Okay, via the boys at the Malik report. Um, down goes Brown reports that the Detroit Red Wings, who are going to be awful. Um, uh, okay. Uh, they are. Uh, are going to need <laughs> Nedeljkovic to stand on his head uh, in order for them to have a shot at anything. Um, and the projections say that they're going to be, get about 80 points, good for like sixth in the Atlantic Division this year. Um, but is that an improvement over the last couple of seasons? I would have to do the math on the points, uh, on the points. Are they going to be less awful than two years ago? Probably. Does that make them good? No. Um, I think that, uh, down goes Brown is kind of right. Nadelkovic is going to have to steal like 10 games this year. Okay. Steal 10 games for them to have a shot at crossing 90 points. Uh, based on what I've seen out of him, I think that he is capable of doing that. But that, I mean, even if he flat out steals 10 games that the skaters in front of him are not in, do you genuinely believe the skaters in front of him are capable of producing the other 70 points? <sighs> I do not. Well, I mean, it, it says here. Yeah, no, and I. Uh, <laughs> They're not a playoff team. 
Well, no, they no, I don't think they are either. I think that they are an improvement, and it says okay. Do you like decision. their roster better or more or less than you like Seattle's? Do I like their roster more or less than Seattle? More. I don't know how you say that, but I will. <laughs> I will go along with your belief that it is a real thing. That their roster is a real thing. I should hope so. They're paying I, these guys to play hockey. If you believe, if you genuinely believe that they're a better team, even with Jacob Verana out for months, is he going to be out for months? He's going to be out a while. Uh, he'll be out at least through November. Oh man! Well, at least it's not January. I mean, I, mean, I don't hate Robbie Fabry or Pia Suter. Um, I think the world has too high of an opinion of Dylan Larkin. Um, Nemesnikov is meh. Sam Gagne so, is meh. So there was something you liked about one of our one of your playoff picks. Mm. And it had something to do with youth, if I'm not mistaken. But this team really doesn't have that much of that. They have literally their defense's average age is twenty eight, which is not young. Yeah, their forwards are younger, sure. They have two. They have two players over the age of thirty: Carter Rowney and Sam Gagne. Everybody yes. else on this roster is <clears throat> somewhere between twenty one and twenty five. Oh, I'm sorry. They have a twenty eight year old Nemestika. Adam Ernie's 26. Again, young team. You'll notice that, and if you look at Cap Friendly, which is what I'm looking at where I'm getting this, if you look at, and this is where I think Iserman is working his magic, there's nobody on the active roster from goaltenders to forwards that goes beyond the 23-24 season. And even then, it's one, two, three, four players and no goaltenders because Nadalkovic, yeah, they brought him in. He gave him $3 million per. It's only two years. Thomas Grice is there, $3.6 million. This is his last year. There's nobody on, and the most expensive player on this team is Dylan Larkin at $6.1 million. Look, he's financially responsible. Hooray. That's still not getting them into, especially he, in the, arguably the toughest division in the league. But he still didn't not turn around the playoffs. He didn't turn around Tampa Bay in a day either. But it's been he, more than a day since he's been there. He did. Okay. It has been more than a day. Agreed. But if you're blaming this all on Steve Eisenman, he's trying to. He's basically, and I agree with the article, this is basically a burn-it-all-down rebuild. He's trying to rebuild this team in his image like he did in Tampa Bay. It's not a a job that's going to happen overnight. Yeah, and he's been there two and a half years at this point. Okay, but he was there a lot longer before Tampa Bay won a Stanley Cup. Actually, he wasn't general manager anymore when they won the Stanley Cup. Oh, okay. No, not that Stanley Cup, the first one. Uh, he wasn't general manager when Detroit won a Stanley Cup either. No, 
Didn't Tampa Bay win a Stanley Cup back in the early 2000s? Uh, yes, well before well before Iserman got there. Okay. And I believe it was actually... Yeah, but then, then they went into a malaise, and then it took... You mean the bottom fell out of the team? Yes, and then Iserman built them back up. Yes, he did leave before they actually won a cup. But he if was you're gonna, there eight years as general manager. But if you're going to honestly, and then they tell won a cup two years after he, a, a, over a year after he left. But if you're going to honestly tell me that his fingerprints aren't all over that cup, didn't say they weren't. I said he was not general manager when they won the cup. But his fingerprints all over the the basis. There were the changes found, made after he was gone. Some, not many. Who drafted Vasilevsky? Uh, Probably the head of scouting. Based on, yes, based on scouting that he would have had, that he would have hired. And by all accounts, listened to. Who drafted Stamkos? Eisenman. Okay. Drafting Stamkos when no one even knows the name of who came second in that draft, (laughs) not particularly difficult. I get that. But my point is that he is responsible for the foundation of that team. And it's going to and it took him eight years. And yes, he left before they won. But it took eight years. He's been in the job with Detroit two and a half. It doesn't happen in a day. You have to give him time to burn it down, build it back up. That's what Tampa Bay did. They didn't mess around. They didn't threaten him. They didn't fire him. They didn't say, look, if we don't win tomorrow, you're gone. They gave him the necessary backing to do what he needed to do to build that franchise up to a Stanley Cup contender. And yes, after he left, they won it. That's what they need to do in Detroit. Oh, Detroit. Detroit still has building to do, but again, they are better off this year if they if they finish in the bottom ten than if they push for a playoff spot. Well, and they, they I can't have, conceive of any possible additions to this roster this year that could get them over that ninety three, ninety four point mark and get them a playoff spot. No, but then then the argument is do they because they, he keeps sending, and it's the one thing that kind of frustrates me about what he's doing. He keeps bringing in older guys, big contracts, trying to kind of keep the team afloat while letting the younger players still play in the minor leagues, getting all the ice time that they need. At some point, you just have to bring Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond, Joe Valeno. You have to get them on the big club. and oh, no arguments. And they None. have to play on... They have to play useful men. You're you're, you're 100% right that Lucas Raymond and Moritz uh, Sider are going to have to play real minutes. For that matter, Sebastian Casa is going to have to get probably two more seasons. um, I think think he needs to stay in Adirondack, yeah, or wherever he is. He's in junior at the moment, but – at least two more seasons there before you even think of putting him on the big roster. But that's but, why you've got Nadelkovic, and he's young, and he's good. And you've got a couple of other guys in the system. You've got uh, Philip Larson, Victor Bradstrom, Calvin Picard, who's not ever been spectacular. And then you've got 23-year-old Kalen 
by Caden Fulcher. Um, so you've got you've got a little bit of depth there, but they're not there today. No, and um, I agree that they're not there. But you're you're. It sounds to me, and and you're going to say that I'm wrong, or you're going to correct me because you always do. But it sounds to me like you're saying they have to win now, and he's not the guy to do it. I didn't say they have to win now. I did not say that. Okay. What I'm saying is they're not good. Period. This is not a playoff team. It's not no, a threat. No, and I agree. I don't think they're a playoff team either. And that's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, now, I ran a poll, a short poll, towards the end of the week, and I think it's kind of fascinating, the results. Um, I don't know if you take took a look at the poll. I have not seen the poll. It's You snuck it out while I wasn't looking. I'm good at that. Um, <laughs> and so I asked one simple question of our uh, friends on Long Island, uh, our the fans down there. Mm-hmm. Which addition to the Isles will make a bigger impact this year? The returning Zdeno Chara or Zach Parisi? Uh, is did you did you give a third option? I did not. Oh. Can I take the third option? You can take a third option if you want. No, if if those are my only if those are my only two choices, then I'm going to have to say that Zidane Chara. And you and the voters would be disagreeing. Really? Eighty-one and a half percent of the voters decided to vote wrong and go with Parisi. Wow, eighty-one. Eighty-one and a half percent of the voters went with Zach Parisi for okay inexplicable reasons. Here's our here's argument number one, and the only argument that you or anybody else needs. Uh, you have to stay healthy to play hockey. Eight. Let me write that down. <laughs> and I knew I should on have that warned. Front, I knew I should have warned everybody to have their recorders on. Damn. <laughs> on that front, of the two, uh, of what? the currently forty-four-year-old Zdeno Chara, mm-hmm. and the currently what is he? Um, 37-year-old Zach Parisi, who was playing in his hometown. Which of the two do you think played more games last season? Oh, Chara. That would be correct, because Zach Parisi climbed into 45 games and scored 18 points for the Minnesota Wild. Ooh. Um, the uh, Zdeno Chara played in 55 games. As a 43-and-change-year-old. And put up 10 points. How many minutes a night did he play? Probably twice what... Probably twice what Parisi was playing. Wow, twice. Hmm. Now, at this point, um, yeah, there's just... I don't, I, I don't get the votes for Zach Parisi. Anyone who's listening... Um, who voted for Parisi, please go ahead and tweet me and let me know. About the only conceivable argument is that the defense for 
Um, the Islanders is pretty solid, and so he's not going to have as much room to make a mark. Okay. But. The, but. But. No. This it's is that the, crazy. But yes, you, you're all eighty-one percent of you are incorrect. Uh, actually, last season was the first time since his second year in the league, and that's only because. They actually don't have an average time on ice for his rookie season. Well, I don't know if it's considered rookie season. He played 25 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I guess, full season. I mean, he played 59 games for the Islanders. It was his second year in the league. He averaged 18.54 a night. Last year, he averaged 18.19 a night. It was the first time since second se- second season where he was under 20 minutes. But that wasn't his role with Washington. And that's not going to be his role on the Islanders. He doesn't have to be 25 minutes a night guy. And on the Islanders, he won't have to be. They've got Pelak Pulak. I'm trying to think of who else is on defense there. But basically, they have a solid defense. He's not going to have to do that. So... I think he's going to have more of an impact. I don't see Parise. And again, like I said, you have to be healthy to play. And I can't remember the last time Parise actually played. The last time Parise actually played a full season. um, Yeah. The last time he played 82 games was the 2011-2012 season for New Jersey. 69 points in the regular season, minus five, 24 games, 15 points in the postseason. The last time he played over 70 games was three seasons ago. Yeah. Now, admittedly, there weren't 70 games last year or in the last in the 1920 season, but uh, he he played played most of them. He still played 10 less games than Chara last year out of the 56. Yeah. Was it 1920 where we um, shut it down early? So if he played 69, he probably played pretty much the whole season. Yeah, there was probably one or two games that he missed. Uh, All right, I'll give him him credit for that one. Okay. Uh, Although, no, I don't see anyone who played more than 69 games on the roster, so maybe he did play the whole season. That said, no, uh, I don't agree. Um, So next week, uh, we'll have a deeper look at some of the teams. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll mix in uh, a little bit more talk about the local guys. Um, I've liked what I've seen from Jake DeBrusque uh, so far in the preseason. Um, bonus prediction time. Ooh, go ahead. And this one is as much a question as a bold prediction. Do you think this is the first time for the first time in a theoretically full season that we will see a playoff team with under 92 points, uh, make it into the playoffs. Uh, I almost have to, I almost want to say yes, because of way it's going to turn out in, in the, in, in the Pacific division. Almost, but, but uh, yes or no. No, I still say you have to get above 92 points. Um, I mean, normally the line is 93, 94, 
Um, I think it, I think it might actually happen because I don't like the Pacific and I really don't think the central is all that much stronger. Um, I think you're going to see team. I think you're going to see the top three teams that we named in each division or top four where there's a divergence run laps around everyone else. Laps. Uh, And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Share the show um, with your friends, family, coworkers, random people you run into on the street. Uh, When you're in that bathroom at Starbucks, right for a good time, please listen to the Two Man Four Check podcast. Um, Have a great week and uh, always happy to see those new download numbers. Take care.